I can't help being a teacher, so I'm going to ask you. They just said, let everything that is within me praise the Lord, right? Yes, yes. So let me ask you, what is inside of you? Let everything that is within me praise the Lord. So what's inside of you? The Lord's inside of you, so let the Lord praise through you. We're to love the Lord our God with all our hearts. You got a heart, amen. What else we got? Minds. What else? Soul. And what? Okay, so how are you praising the Lord with your strength? How is your strength? We We don't answer all the questions here. A lot of times we ask questions. Okay, because we're growing, we're learning. All right, take your copy of God's Word. A brief time we have together. Uh, We want to turn to Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, we read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy our brother to God's holy people in Colossae the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ grace and peace to you from God our Father let's pray together Lord our Our choir's been praying. They've been praying, let everything that is within me praise the Lord. And Father, by our attentiveness and our silence, we have been praying along with them as they were vocalizing, let everything that is within me praise the Lord. Father, we know, according to your word in heaven, That is what's going on right now. Angels and saints who have gone before us are praising you with all that is within them. Father, open our eyes this morning to your word and may our genuine heartfelt response to you be, let everything that is within me praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was my senior year in high school, and our school counselor, uh, Miss Sue Hill, came to me. It was like the last week of school. She came to me and she said, uh, John, I want you to come to the academic banquet. A school counselor inviting me to the academic banquet got my attention. The school I attended, um, again, you've heard the story, but at this point, senior year, I'm in Macon. The school I attended, um, I knew my average was a 90. It was a small school, so everybody knew where they stood. My average was a 90, but an A at that school was 93 and above. So I wasn't even an A student. So why was I being invited to the academic banquet? But she invited me, so I went. 
I don't know if you've ever been at a place you know you're not supposed to be. I mean, you're just, hey, good to see you. You know, you're you're just friendly, and then you sit down and you have the dinner. And after the dinner, they start calling out the, you know, the winner of the music award or the winner of the English award or the winner of the science award and the winner, you know, all these winners. And I'm going, yeah, these are all my friends. This is great, you know. And I'm just sitting here and I'm wondering why, you know. So it's about to, they're about to say the benedictory prayer, you know. It's about over, you know. And uh, this older gentleman walks up and, and um, he's got one of these kind of tricordered hats or whatever you call it, you know. And uh, he happens to be from the American Legion. And he starts to read about this leadership and uh, service award sponsored by the American Legion. And then they, they call my name. I was like, what? You know, I'd only been to that school a year and a half, and I'm sure it was kind of like, well, you know, all these other people got an award small school, we got to give him something. I don't know. But anyway, they call my name and I go up and I get this beautiful certificate, you know, with embossed, you know, American Legion, all this kind of stuff. But not only did I get this beautiful certificate, I get this medallion with its own easel. So, I mean, I take that medallion, that easel, and, you know, it's not that big. It's kind of like a fish store, you know, I mean, it's not that, okay. But, uh, and I put it right by my basketball trophies or whatever, because, you know, my, my thing was sports. You know, I wasn't expecting any, and I didn't get an academic award, okay, how it turned out. But why did I get that? Why did, I assume, Miss Sue Hill gave them my name? Why? I've only been there a year and a half. I can tell you why. It was because of who she was. It was just pure grace. New kid at school trying to affirm, love, whatever. There, there had been no time to demonstrate great leadership or anything like that at the time. It was just, I was chosen out of pure grace. And as we think about this text, I want you to wonder, ask yourself this question. Could God have used you? Could you have been used by the Lord to write this letter to the Colossians? First of all, look at this text. The the key name that stands out first is what? Paul. Paul, a man called Paul. Now, Paul was climbing. I mean, he was seriously climbing. He was climbing a ladder of success in his religion. I mean, he, you're familiar with the book of Philippians that floats out his resume. Paul was an up-and-coming and already established leader in Judaism. And a matter of fact, I can imagine that uh, he was, whenever he probably came into somebody's hometown, they would say, Paul, can you share with us at synagogue today? You know, he would have been like a man in demand. I mean, he had had, he had been taught by, you know, the, the leading teacher of the day. And so he was an up and coming leader, but not only was he influential and up and coming leader, he was a fearless spokesman for Judaism. And what I mean by a fearless spokesman is he not only knew what he believed, 
He not only could communicate it, but he was an intense defender of his faith. He wasn't going to take any guff off of anybody. And so, when this upstart, which he would call a cult, called the Way, which was their first name given to the church of Jesus Christ, what he saw was a cult, an upstart religious cult. He said, I'm going to put the kibosh on that right quick. You see, Paul was brilliant. He was well-educated. He was scrupulously religious. And he was admired by so many people. But Paul was lost before he met Jesus Christ. He was lost. Have you ever been in your life, have you ever been really lost? Have you ever experienced that? I mean, have you ever been really stuck somewhere with no way to get out? Have you ever experienced that? I don't know how many of you know this, but I was born in Blakely, Georgia. Grew up in Albany, but, it, but since I was born in Blakely, my parents had friends in in Blakely. And even though I lived in Albany, we'd go back to Blakely all the time to go to ball games and go out to eat. And there was this fish camp near Blakely, Georgia. And we'd go eat and all this kind of stuff. But I'll never forget, you know, one day as a four-year-old, whatever, five-year-old, whatever, I wandered a little farther down towards that river and, you know, just waded out in the river. No big deal. But some river areas are what? Real muddy. And somehow, at that particular occasion, you could, you got stuck. You know, and when you're four years old, you're not smart enough to think of evacuation procedures. So what's your number one evacuation procedure if you're a four-year-old? Mom, exactly. That's what you yell, mom, you know. And, and they're up there at the fish camp. It wasn't that far away, you know. You know, they had to come get me out, you know. And I've told you the story before about being at the American Legion golf, you know, course in Albany and playing on the tank and, and being inside that tank and having a great time, and then the sun comes out and heats up the outside of that metal, and I couldn't get out. And so for about an hour and a half, I was inside crying, going, how am I getting out of this? And eventually my dad came by, jumped on the tank, and he jumped off because he found out it was, you know, 200 degrees too. But then, since he's your dad, what does he do? He jumps on, gets burned, and gets you out anyway, you know. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you can't get out on your own, where you're lost. See, Paul was lost, but he didn't even know it. Those situations, I knew I was in trouble. Paul didn't think he was in trouble. Paul thought the Christians were all messed up. He knew what he was going to do. He was going to straighten out all these Christians. He was going to get them arrested. He knew he was right. He didn't have the slightest idea that he was lost. You know, we got a lot of people like that in this world. Some of them wear religious labels like Paul did. But some people don't wear any religious label today at all. 
In fact, they pride themselves that they don't. But that doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. There is no good way to be lost. I mean, there's no good way to be lost. You can't go, oh, it's better to be lost than be an American. No, that's not a good way to be lost, okay? <laughs> it's better to be lost and uh, be a Baptist. No, it's, that's not a good way to be lost either. There's no good way to be lost. It doesn't matter what your label is or whether you refuse to wear a label at all. We are all the same. We're men and women made of dust of the ground who without Jesus Christ, no matter what our resume, pedigree, or whatever, we have no hope. And you know, I've heard many, many of you testify over the years. Many of you have said this. I've heard it. John, I don't know how I could get through this without the Lord. I don't know how people get through situations like this without the Lord. I've heard that testimony thousands of times. And I want you to know that is true. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Paul was a great man. Paul was a powerful man. But Paul was lost before he came to know Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we read something else. Look at what else we read. Paul, not Paul before he met Christ. We read Paul now after meeting Christ. It says, Paul, what? An apostle of Christ Jesus. An apostle of Christ Jesus. If you had a, a business card, I happen to have one here. On my card it says, First Baptist Church, Tifton, the church built on love. That sounds good. John Hughes, Minister of Spiritual Development, Associate Pastor. That is the title. It's got our church phone number, fax, and address. say anything about Jesus, does it? On Paul's calling card, it says what? Apostle of what? Christ Jesus. Huh, all those churches he founded, you'd have thought he'd have put founder of the church in, you know, or planner of the church. He put apostle of Christ Jesus. You know, the apostle in the New Testament is not merely an emissary. He is, he is one clothed with all the authority and endued with the power of the sender. Paul is asserting in this letter to the Colossians, he is asserting his apostolic commission. He didn't think it was necessary to do that to the letter to the Philippians or the letter to the Thessalonians that were obviously linked to him by a warm bond of friendship and loyalty. See, Paul didn't found this church. He didn't plant the church in Colossae. See, his words he's writing to them are more than the opinion of the most experienced and greatest missionary of the early church. Paul is writing authoritative utterances 
He is the divinely appointed mouthpiece of Christ. So when the Colossians began to read this word from Paul, they weren't to receive it as, as, a, as a letter written from a, a man who just cares about them. No, they were to receive this as from Paul the Apostle. So this is the word of God. So this emphasis on who he is, his status is also brought out by looking at his companion. Paul is what? Apostle. Timothy is what? A brother. Paul's an apostle. Timothy's a brother. So why did Paul have this privileged status? Well, we know from the scriptures because God chose him. It was no credit of Paul's. It was no glory of Paul's. God chose to use him for this special purpose. Now I can tell you one thing clearly. God has not called me as an apostle. I have not been immediately commissioned by Christ in a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ. I am not an apostle. I have been called to preach. I have been called to shepherd the flock of God. But you've been called also. You've been called. You've been called to what? To witness. To be a witness of what you've experienced in the cross of Jesus Christ. In his, in his gift to you of forgiveness and love. You've been called not only to be a witness, but to teach and to serve and to minister. Some of you are even called to, to also preach. We have several in our church that have filled in pulpits all over around our community. You've been called to a host of other ministries. Paul was yielded. Paul was obedient to the call of God. Do you know what God's called you to do? Paul says, I'm an apostle. But do you know what God's called you to do? In a few moments, as we close this service, our nominating committee will come and, and share their annual report, which is many, many of the volunteers who've said yes. They've stepped forward. They've been invited by the nominating committee to serve in different areas, whether it's teaching or serving behind the scenes, and that report will be presented. These these have said yes to a specific area. Do you know where the Lord wants you to serve Him? More importantly, not only know, have you yielded to Him? And finally, is your identity, like Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, is your identity tied to your relationship with Christ? Or is it more tied to your position? Tied to your reputation? Tied to your occupation? 
Finally, we see in this text, not only Paul, the apostle, but we see Timothy. Timothy, our brother. Timothy was the sidekick of Paul. Timothy got to watch what God was doing in and through Paul and Silas. God called him and he responded. Can you imagine how exciting that must have been? How many of you here have ever had the privilege of going and making a visit, a home visit, with our pastor, Pastor Wayne? You've gone with him to go make a visit somewhere. Anybody? Me? You? About three or four or five of us? Anybody out there? Yeah, you've gone with our pastor over the years? Yeah. You talk about fun? That's fun. You know why it's fun? Because all the pressure's off of you. I mean, if you go with the pastor, he's going to do the talking. Now, a couple of times I've gone with him since I'm, quote, the minister of outreach. You know, that's my, part of my job response. But he'll say, I want to observe you. I'm like, oh, great. That's pressure. Okay. But most of the time when you go with the pastor, you, you're just kind of, you're just there and you just, and the most exciting thing about watching Brother Wayne visit or just hanging out with Brother Wayne, in all my years of being in the ministry, he is the most loving pastor I've ever known. That's just, that's, I mean, I've known a lot of pastors. He's the most loving, caring, and uh, so, I mean, you just learn. You know, he'll pick up on things. He'll, you know, show sensitivity. It's just, he's amazing. So if you, would ever, if you ever want to learn how to witness, I would suggest you just, next time there's a, you know, a course or whatever, you say, you call up the church, talk to his secretary, and you say, I'd like to be on Brother Wayne's team. All the pressure will be off of you. You just watch. Can you imagine if you'd been on Paul's team, the Apostle Paul? That's what Timothy got to do. Every day, he just walked around with the Apostle Paul. You talk about a church planter, he saw this is how you plant churches. This is how you develop leaders. This is how you share your faith. This is how you sometimes have to discipline people. Not the pleasant side of ministry, but sometimes you do that. Okay, so he got to observe this from like the, the top echelon. of. Um, can you imagine what that must have been like for him? Whew. Imagine what it was like as Paul got older. Imagine what it was like when Paul was dying. Don't you think Timothy was grateful for that example? Don't you think he was grateful for the investment that Paul had made in his life? Don't you think, even though he was, he was, he must be shy, he must have been more reticent because Paul tells him, you know, stir up the, you know, but don't you think in his heart of hearts he goes, you know, I may not feel ready because I'm kind of by nature shy, but God has made this huge investment in my life. I must be ready. I'm going to step out and trust God. So I wonder, as we think this morning, have you ever had a Paul in your life? Have you ever had somebody, either in this fellowship or a fellowship before, or or maybe it's your business, a Christian businessman or something. Have you ever had somebody invest 
in you. Maybe today you realize, I've never had that. And so I want to encourage you, don't be content. Don't think, oh, well, that was just for Timothy, you know. I would encourage you to kind of have a little discontent right now in the sense of like, Lord, would you provide me a Paul? Would you provide somebody in this fellowship? Or, or maybe it's a Christian from another fellowship that is in this community that would invest in my life. That would be somebody I could observe. Maybe they have the same challenges I have in business. Maybe they're having to make critical financial decisions. And, 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 and Lord, if I could just see how this Christian businessman handled that, that would just give me insight. Maybe it's discipline. Maybe, maybe you've got a child and it's a challenge and you're thinking, Lord, what do I do? And maybe it was a, maybe, you know, it's another mom or another dad who has a similar situation. You know what Timothy did? He was there with his mother, his grandmother, you know. What were their names? Eunice and Lois. Y'all remember them? Yeah. You know, Paul said, hey, I want you to go with me. He could have said, no, I'm not into that traveling. I'm going to stay here. But what did he do? He listened to God. He surrendered to God. He entered into that relationship of equipping and growing he wanted to not be content, but to continue to grow. And what would happen later, he would become the leader of the church in Ephesus. Fifty years from now, I'm not going to be here. Unless I live to be 108, I don't think that's going to happen, okay? So, what I'm getting at is, it's going to be these guys. You know, y'all will be here in 50 years, okay? You know, the younger people are going to be it. So we've got to equip. We've got to prepare. So my question, if you're a Paul, do you have a Timothy? And here's another thing as a brother and sister. Sometimes it's hard being second fiddle. Sometimes it's hard not being the leader. Sometimes it's hard not getting the recognition that you really do deserve, because you're working hard, but you're just not in that top position. Can you trust the Lord with that? Can you trust the Lord that He's equipping you, He's preparing you, even if you're not getting the recognition, if you're not up front? You know, according to God's Word, He chooses unlikely people. Why does God choose the less manly, the mama's boy over the hunter? Do y'all know who I'm talking about? Remember he chose Jacob over Esau, right? Esau was the outdoorsman. He was the hunter. Jacob was the mama's boy, right? And inside, you know, he chose Jacob over Esau. You think if he wants to get something done, he'd choose Esau, you know? I mean, when God, when, if y'all get this figured out, let me know. When God chose to deliver 
the children of Israel out of Egypt. Slaves been hit, beat. Who did he choose? Mo why Mo I mean, Moses, where did he grow up? In Pharaoh's household. I mean, why didn't he choose somebody who'd been beaten and hurt and living with the people? No, he picked somebody out of the White House. No, you know, whatever, whatever, out of the Taj Mahal, whatever. He picked somebody who doesn't have it hard. Think about it. When God was, when, when God was upset with, with King Saul and he was going to pick a new leader, he, he sent the prophet and he said, Samuel, and he said, anoint him. And, and he looked at all the brothers and, and all the older, taller brothers. He said, what? That's not the one. I want who? David, the youngest. Listen, all I can tell you, I've been in the ministry for quite a while. And, and I can't pick the winners and the losers. You know what I mean? I can't look out here in the congregation and go, man, they're really going to have an impact for Jesus. And, oh, this person, they're going to be vanilla. Or what? No, we don't. You know, God's choosing. He's putting us in positions. He's moving. He's doing this thing. The question is, are we yielded? Are we available? We see in this text that God chose the number one enemy of Christianity. Enemy number one. He chose Saul of Tarsus who is persecuting the church, he chooses him and makes him his number one spokesman. Can you figure this out? But you know what? His name could have been Bill. His name could have been Ed. It could have been Paul. It could have been, it could have been anybody. In this room, he could have chosen anybody he wanted to fulfill his purpose. He could pick any one of us. And in fact, he has. He has chosen us. And you know, you know why he chose us, right? He chose us because we are so smart. No, no, that's wrong. He chose us because we're all good looking. No, he chose us because we're all strong, physically strong. He chose us because we're all brave, right? No, he chose us because we're all so morally pure and good. No, that's not why he chose us. God chose to reveal himself to us. God died on the cross. He laid his life down. Jesus gave himself up. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. And he has not only saved us in his love, but he has called us for a special purpose out of his love. Now sometimes it's not going to feel like that. I guarantee you the Apostle Paul wasn't singing that praise chorus, at least I could be wrong, but that beautiful praise chorus we just sung, probably as they were hitting him with the stones. You know, when he got, you know, at that exact moment, he probably was wincing in pain. Okay? And I can just imagine if one of you dear, dear ladies 
and I say ladies probably, is in the nursery and there is an accident in the diaper, you're not going, praise the Lord, you know? You are just having to take care of business, okay? So in the moment, you might not be going, oh, I, I see the hand of God and the purpose of God. But he has a special purpose. And he wants to use you. Paul did not found the church in Colossae. But he had a special burden for them. And so he wrote them. And he prayed for them. And I ask you again, church, this morning, has the Holy Spirit made you sensitive to the needs of the individuals in this church? Are you sensitive to the needs of the people in your Sunday school class or in your Sunday school department or in your community? Could the Holy Spirit this morning lead you to write a letter of encouragement to a member who's badly in need of words of love or, or words of affirmation? Could the Holy Spirit tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what? Your Sunday school teacher is on the verge of exhaustion. And you need to write them a letter or a note or a card of encouragement. You know, two weeks ago, you elected deacons. But you don't know who they are, do you? You know you voted, but you don't know who was elected. I'm fixing to tell you. Johnny Folsom, Gene Googe, Lee Matthews, Roger Knowles, Frank Sauls, Ashley Vickers, Luke Webster. Those are the seven you elected. Do you think with all of the activities and challenges our church faces right now, do you think these guys need prayer? Stepping in as deacons? Absolutely. Could the Holy Spirit tap you just as he told Paul to write this letter? Could he tap you and say, send a letter to these guys? Or these new committee members that you're about to elect? Could he do this? Finally, are you serving? Are you leading? Are you being an apprentice like Timothy? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace that can change our eternal destiny from being like Paul before he met you to the Paul after he met you on a new trajectory. And Father, I thank you that you've not only given us that relationship, but you've given us a purpose. And that purpose, we didn't choose it. We didn't figure it out. It was your gift to us, chosen. Father, whether we're ready to lead or we need to be equipped to lead, Lord, we know that our time here 
a part of this fellowship, even if we live to 80, 90, 100 years, is but a brief time. And the next generation will come. Father, help us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.